Pro Football Focus stats that matter. We do it every week on a Wednesday. We'll look back at the South Carolina win. What are the nitty-gritty, the stats that you need to know about from that win? All that and more at your Wednesday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for making Locked On Balls your first listen, your first watch on YouTube, subscribing to that channel. And uh, shout out every dayers, every damn dayers. Couldn't do this show without you. Got a fun one coming up today. Pro football focus stats that matter. We'll do offense here in a couple seconds, defense in segment two. And then Josh Ward, 99.1 The Sports Animal, 12 to 3 Eastern Time, weekdays uh, on The Sports Animal. He's going to join us in segment number three. Uh, stats that matter. What do you need to know? Well, let's start with the offensive side of the football. Uh, snap counts, overall grades, stuff like that. Uh, Gerald Mincy. Javante Spragans, Ollie Lane, John Campbell, all played, it looks like, the entire game at 74 snaps. Cooper Mays played 70 snaps. I believe Dane Davis came in and snapped for the final series of the game, that four-play drive, so that was four snaps. So the entire offensive line, the starters, I remember Andre Carrick and uh, J.J. Crawford were, J.J. Crawford was available, but only in an emergency situation, and Andre Carrick was in street clothes. So the offensive line, you know, this was this was the five for pretty much the entire game. Uh, you had Ramel Keaton that played 73 snaps. Joe Milton, of course, played 74 snaps. He played every offensive snap. Squirrel White played 69 snaps. Uh, Jacob Warren, 52 snaps. McAllen Castles, 28 snaps. Brew McCoy, 25 snaps before injury. Dylan Sampson, let's see here. Where's Jalen Wright? Jalen Wright, 30 snaps. Dylan Sampson, 24 snaps. Jabari Small, 20 snaps. Chaz Nimrod, 19 snaps, and Caleb Webb, 30 snaps. Those That is a look at the offensive side of the football um, in terms of snap count. Now let's look at overall grades. Remember, pro football focus, uh, it is something. It is not everything. I think that's important to remember. And if you're watching on uh, YouTube right now, you can see the pro football focus grading scale at the bottom. But for those listening, I'll tell you, 90 to 99, elite. 80 to 89, very good. 70 to 79 is an above average starter. 60 to 69 is an average starter. 50 to 59 is below average starter. And less than 50 is considered a backup level player. So I always like to make the joke at F in grade school. Uh, 60 something, well, that's considered an average starter according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Jacob Warren led the way with a 77.6 grade. Javante Spragan, 73.9 grade. Dylan Sampson, 72.2 grade. Cooper Mays in his first game playing 69 snaps. And doing a heck of a job, or 70 snaps, and doing a heck of a job. Um, gosh, what a gritty effort from Cooper Mays. 71.8%. Jalen Wright, 71.3%. Gerald Mincy, 70.2%. Um, those are some of the top grades. John Campbell Jr., 63.8. I'm trying to look at some starters. Uh, Joe Milton, not the best grade, 53.7. Jabari Small actually had the worst grade of the offense guys who played at 49.9. Uh, what are some things that matter? Well, let's go ahead and look at the uh, passing tree. Let's look at the uh, stuff uh, in terms of Joe Milton. Uh, I don't remember him throwing this many passes 20 yards down the field. I remember one. Um, but according to Pro Football Focus, Joe Milton threw three passes 20-plus yards down the field, and one was intercepted. Uh, 
you know, I I don't remember both. I thought those two were intermediates. Both were intercepted 20 yards down the field. The one to Jacob Warren on the far side or on the near sideline, I guess now that I think about it, that was probably 20 yards down the field. It didn't feel like the one across the middle of the field where the safety just uh, jumped up and got it whenever Milton thought it was cover two, didn't even see the safety there, cover three, dropping in the middle of the field. Um, I guess that was 20 yards down the field too. I, I felt like that was more intermediate. But anyway, Milton was one for three with a touchdown, and an, or excuse me, he was one for three with two interceptions but did have a 50-yard uh, completion to squirrel white down the far sideline. So again, Tennessee not really taking shots down the field, whereas I thought that it would considering how bad South Carolina's secondary was entering the game. Uh, 10 to 20 yards, Joe Milton was 1 for 3. Again, wasn't really tested much. That one touchdown to Jacob Warren, uh, good to see. Let's see here. Uh, 6 yards, so 1 for 3, 6 yards, and a touchdown. 0 to 10 yards, so within 10 yards, Joe Milton was 9, 11 for 12, 14. He was 11 for 14 for... Uh, you know, putting it well over 100 yards and uh, a really, really nice, good completion percentage. And then behind the line of scrimmage, Joe Milton was 7, 8, 8, not 8 for 11. I do this math on the run here. He was 8 for 11 behind the line of scrimmage for 63, 4, 67 for about 74 yards. So not bad there, 74 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Joe Milton was kept clean on 79.4% of dropbacks, okay? And when he was kept clean, he had a offensive grade of 60.4, which is very low end, but that's considered an average starter. When he was under pressure, which was only 20.6% of the dropbacks, Joe Milton's grade went to 40.6. So I think it's no secret that Joe Milton is not very good on the run. Um it was kind of the joke going into last week that Spencer Rattler and Joe Milton were kind of opposite. Spencer Rattler played some of his best football on the run throwing touchdowns, and Joe Milton, I think, has not has still not thrown a touchdown on the run, if you will. Um, Joe Milton was not blitzed, so South Carolina did not blitz on 64.7% of the snaps. They did blitz 35.3% of the snaps, and it's actually interesting. Joe Milton was better when blitzed. He had a grade of 593 when South Carolina blitzed, and a grade of 49.9 when South Carolina did not blitz. Again, take it kind of for uh, for what it's worth. Joe Milton was 66.3 on uh, play action, and of course that's a lot of RPO, sideways stuff. Uh, no play action, 45.7. This is his grade. This is in completion percentage. Again, this is his pro football focus grade. Uh, screen game, 67.6%. And then no screen game, 50.2%. So that's a look at uh, Joe Milton. Uh, let's look at the um, the blocking. The blocking. This is what I like about Pro Football Focus. Who did the best and who uh, excelled in terms of blocking on the offensive line? Uh, this is pass blocking grades. John Campbell Jr., the best pass blocker in this football game, in 36 reps, he had a grade of 82.0. So, Good, solid stuff from your left tackle. Javante Spragans played better, much better. 79.4% was his grade on 36 reps. A drawback. McCallan Castles had a good pass balking grade, 15 reps, 77.2. Dylan Sampson, 15 reps, 77.1. Jacob Warren, 21 reps, 75%. That's good to see. Gerald Mincy, 36 reps, 72.0. Cooper Mays, 36 reps, 71.4. Ollie Lane, 36 reps, 65.7. And uh, Jalen Wright, 12 reps in pass blocking, 60.0. So really top to bottom, Jabari Smalls in there as well, 9 reps, 61.7. Top to bottom, tight ends, running backs, and offensive line, 
Tennessee did a really nice job protecting in terms of pass sets, pass pros. So job well done there. Let's look at run blocking, shall we? Run blocking. Javante Spragan, 73.0, his percent. Good to see. Cooper Mays, 68.7%. That's really solid. Gerald Mincy, 67.0%. Gerald Mincy had himself a game. Uh, McAllen Castles, 13, uh, 13 reps, 65%. Let's see here. Jacob Warren, 31 reps, 61%. And then you'll end here with two of your offensive linemen who didn't do too hot. John Campbell, 38 run blocking reps, 56.2%. And then Ollie Lane, 38 run blocking reps, 48%. So much better pass pro was this football team, was this offensive line really, than run blocking. But overall, still some uh, some some really good stuff. Again, this was uh, I thought this was a clean game by the offensive line, and the pro football focus grades and reports kind of reflect that, kind of reflect that for sure. Uh, so that's a look at the uh, stats that matter. Pro football focus on the offensive end. What about defense? Snap counts, rushing grades, coverage grades, all that and more. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. I do want to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Uh, Bird Dogs. Make stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg that truly give you that sculpted look, gentlemen. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but the fit is way better. Why? Well, Bird Dogs fixed this issue uh, where it was restricting cotton, stiff, all that type of stuff for normal shorts. They fixed this issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink uh, sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. The reason I love Bird Dogs, versatility. Whether I'm going to a meeting, whether I'm going to lunch, whether I'm going to church, whether I'm going on a date with my wife, whatever the case may be, whether I'm just lounging around, some guys even use them or wear them to go work out. Bird Dogs is good for any occasion. The slacks, the shorts, you have some versatility as well. I encourage you to go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Enter that promo code locked on college at checkout for free bird dog water bottle with your order. That is birddogs.com slash locked on balls for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. We got Josh Ward coming up here in just a minute here on a Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. We'll dive back into the pro football focus grades uh, here in just one second. First, let's do snap counts looking at the defensive side of the football. Uh, Wesley Walker, who played a heck of a football game, 64 snaps leading the defense. Mary McDonald, 61 snaps. Jalen McCullough, 61 snaps. So Walker played every defensive snap. Your star player and your other safety, McDonald and McCullough, they played all but three snaps. Gabe Judy Lawley started at cornerback opposite of Kamal Haddon, even though Danico Slaughter was available and played some, kind of working his way back from injury. Gabe Judy Lawley played 58 snaps. Kamal Haddon, who had the pick six, played 57 snaps. Aaron Beasley, who <laughs> I'll get to it in segment three, guys, catching a lot of flack from you guys, and deservingly so, completely overlooked him in my top five. How do you have a top five and not mention Aaron Beasley? I'm the idiot, I know. Um, Aaron Beasley, 53 snaps the other day. James Pierce, 37 snaps. Tyler Barron, 37 snaps. Uh, Elijah Herring, 36 snaps. Roman Harrison, 34 snaps. Omar Norman Lott, Amari Thomas, 26 and 27 snaps, respectively. Dominic Bailey, 25 snaps. Bryson Eason, 23 snaps. Karak Garland, 18 snaps. Love these defensive linemen not getting a whole lot of run in terms of getting tired. 
Uh, Rodney Garner does a great job of keeping the snap count low to keep all those guys fresh. Jeremiah T. Lander, Arian Carter on the football field for big-time plays. They each play 12 snaps. Elijah Simmons, the goal was 10 snaps in his return. He got 12 snaps. Um, Tyree West, 11 snaps. Brandon Turnage, 7 snaps. Jordan Thomas, 6 snaps. Joshua Joseph, 6 snaps. I, he needs to get a little bit more run. I am all for James Pierce. And Roman Harrison is, quote-unquote, your starter. I, I recognize he has a role Joshua Joseph needs to get a little bit more run. Danico Slaughter, only six snaps in his return, but he did make his return, which was important. And then Andre Turrentine, three snaps. Uh, Pro Football Focus, again, a little refresher course. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see the grading scale at the bottom. But for those listening, Elite, 90 to 99. Very good, 80 to 89. Above average starter, 70 to 79. Your average starter, 60 to 69. Below average starter, 50 to 59 and less than 50 is considered a backup-level player. Um, again, pro football focus grades, they're something, they're not everything, but I'll give you a quick overview of who had a really good day. Uh, Tyler Barron, 90 grade. That is considered elite. He is playing at an elite level right now in his contract year. Uh, that's really, really good to see. So a 90.7% grade for Tyler Barron, easily leading the defense. Wesley Walker's at number two, and uh, I knew he had a good game in real time. I knew he had a good game on the rewatch, and I'm so glad that the Pro Football Focus grade reflected that. 82.2, which is considered very, very good. Arian Carter in 12 snaps, 81.1. That's good to see. Um, Bryson Eason, 81. James Pierce had a 79% grade. Omar Norman Lott, 79%. Jeremiah T. Lander, 75. Jalen McCullough, 74. That's good to see. Kamal Haddon, 73. That's good to see. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to some starters. Gave Judy Lawley a 70% grade. Amari Thomas, 70%. Elijah Herring, 69%. That's good grade for him. Tamari McDonald, 68%. And so Aaron Beasley actually had the worst grade of starters, 57.5% um, overall in this one for Aaron Beasley. Uh, let's go to – let's go coverage. Coverage is, uh, coverage is the one that we all want to know about. How many times were each player targeted? How many receptions did they give up? And so on and so forth. Um, let's look at this one right here. Wesley Walker was targeted twice, gave up two receptions for one yard. And uh, again, let's see here. There was, yeah, Spencer Rattler never threw a touchdown. There was a couple of rushing touchdowns, a couple of field goals. So none of these guys give up a touchdown. So Wesley Walker targeted twice, give up two receptions for a one yard. Jalen McCullough targeted three times, give up one reception for seven yards. Elijah Herring targeted three times, give up two receptions for nine yards. Off to a good start. Kamal Haddon targeted four times, give up two receptions for 23 yards. One of those was a first down, but of course he had an interception that turned into a touchdown. That was a pick six. Aaron Carter get targeted twice, give up two receptions for negative two yards. Uh, Gabe Judy Lawley targeted seven times, gave up six receptions, 73 yards. So I'm trying to think of which chunk plays. Maybe Gabe Judy Lawley was on the fake punt potentially no I think that was Deshaun Rucker I'm trying to think of if there was ever a chunk play 48 of those yards came on the uh, yards after contact or yards after catch I guess um anyway his grade was still only 69.7 so I'm trying to I'm trying to go back and remember guys I can't really I can't really think there was Okay, he might have been out there for the screenplay because they had a 44-yarder on that first series. Uh, he might have been on. He might have been the cornerback on that screenplay, but still, he 
He he's not the primary defender in that regard. Anyway, seven targets, six receptions, seventy three yards against Gabe Judy Lolly. Uh, to Mary McDonald, targeted five times, gave up four receptions for thirty six yards. Brandon Turnage was never targeted. Caleb Perry targeted once, gave up one reception, six yards. Jordan Thomas never never targeted. Danico Slaughter never targeted. Roman Harrison never targeted. Jeremiah T. Lander targeted once, gave up one reception, six yards. Aaron Beasley targeted four times, gave up three receptions for 10 yards. Turrentine, Gibson, Pierce, D. Williams never targeted. And Deshaun Rucker, okay, this is the fake punt. One target, one reception, 32 yards. Um, okay, so that's, that's kind of what all that looks like there. Um, I do want to pull up a stat. I'm trying to find it here on the fly. I did not have it. Uh, readily available and um i do apologize i'm searching for it right now this is really really bad really really bad podcasting because you're listening to me tap dance right now found it didn't have to tap dance too long um and a lot of people a lot of people have opinions and i'm not going to get into it i talk a little bit about with it with josh ward in segment three but you know if you guys have more questions maybe i can address it tomorrow but um Kamal Haddon, uh, we all know some fans booed him during the starting lineups and all that, and he's taken to Twitter and said, I won't forget that and all that type of stuff. But anyway, maybe he's using it as motivation. Um, you have a tweet from assistant basketball coach Rod Clark that's highlighting what Pro Football Focus put out so far this year on Kamal Haddon. This came, I want to say Sunday or Monday. This is from Pro, Pro Football Focus. Kamal Haddon is having himself a year, according to Pro Football Focus. Coverage grade is 86 that's 10th nationally. He's given up, or he's been targeted 26 times. He's given up 10 receptions. Completion percentage when targeted is 38.5%. He's allowed 26 yards, which, I mean, he allowed 23 yards, according to Pro Football Focus, in the South Carolina game. So I'm not sure if that's accurate. Uh, yards per catch, 6.4. He's got five PBUs, and he does have two interceptions. So again, the. Yards given up, I'm not sure that that's accurate, but all, all these other stats are accurate because, again, he gave up 23 yards, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, just in this game alone. But anyway, uh, Kamal, Kamal Haddon, in terms of Pro Football Focus, indeed, is having a pretty solid year. But as I was talking to somebody um, in the DMs, I think where Kamal kind of gets rubbed the wrong way in terms of the way fans see him is, is the lack of effort, the missed tackle at Florida. No one's going to forget the South Carolina game. It just kind of is what it is. But I, I really, really did enjoy it. I, I, like, I like players playing hard. And I like players getting rewarded for doing some good things. And I think Kamal Haddon's done some good things this year, and I love seeing him get rewarded for that pick six. That was good to see. Uh, so that was the coverage grades. Let's look at the pass rush grade, shall we? Um, obviously, Tyler Barron and James Pierce are going to be at the top. 83.8% for Tyler Barron and 29 reps. 76.7% for James Pierce. Again, the official stats, I'm not sure what the official stats we're looking at because according to Pro Football Focus, okay, you had three sacks for James Pierce in this football game. Official stats only gave him two. Quarterback hurries, only one. How do you have two sacks but only one quarterback hurry? Not sure. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, <laughs> James Pierce had nine quarterback hurries. And again, that that is a stat that's hard to keep track of. It, it's all it's it's the values in terms of the beholder who's keeping the stats. I I recognize that. I use a stat, um, you know, for, for for some football games when I first got started in this industry. I get it, but 
Um, I would give everybody pressure. <laughs> I would give everybody a pass defense and stuff. I would give everybody an assisted tackle. Um, sometimes people aren't like that. But James Pierce, nine quarterback hurries, three sacks. That was great to see. Six hurries for Tyler Barron. Um, let's see here. I'm not going to give the grades for a lot of people. Three hurries for Joshua Josephs. Two hurries for Harrison. Of course, Joseph had a sack. Dominic Bailey had a sack and three quarterback hurries. Omar Norman Lott had a sack, three quarterback hurries. Karat Garland had a sack and a quarterback hurry. So Tennessee did a really, really good job um, in this regard. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. There's something else that I was going to go ahead and look at. Oh, yeah, missed tackles, missed tackles, missed tackles, missed tackles. Tennessee missed seven tackles in the opener against Virginia, and since then it's been 10-plus missed tackles every game. And unfortunately, this streak continues against South Carolina, uh, but it was 11 missed tackles. But the silver lining here is none from the secondary, meaning if you're missing the tackle, it's at or behind the line of scrimmage, at or around the line of scrimmage. James Pierce had a missed tackle. Jalen McCullough had... Okay, so they've changed this since Sunday. So there is a couple of members of the secondary that had missed tackles. Uh, but the majority of those at or around the line of scrimmage. Jalen McCullough missed two tackles. Joshua Joseph missed a tackle. Roman Harrison missed a tackle. Gabe Judy Lawley missed a tackle. Elijah Herring missed two tackles. Tamari McDonald missed a tackle. Elijah Simmons missed a tackle. Aaron Beasley missed a tackle. So the majority of these missed tackles were by defensive linemen or linebackers, members of the front seven. So that was good to see. Anyway, we do it every single week right here on Lockdown Balls. It is pro football focused stats that matter. Hope you guys enjoyed that. When we come back, Josh Ward, a little Ward Wednesday uh, to end your Wednesday right here on the show. This is Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here. Want to see about our friends over at FanDuel? It's America's number one sports book right now. New customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That is two hundred dollars in bonus bets when or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on all that action. This app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, which I would truly recommend for beginners because it's so much fun. The totals, that over, those unders, and a whole lot more. Guys, I put some coin in my pocket every single weekend over at FanDuel uh, by betting on, uh, by looking at some of the NFL spreads and storylines there, and you can as well. Uh, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. It's at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Word Wednesday, every single Wednesday here on Locked On Vols. Josh, right off the top, what's worse? Tennessee not being ready for a fake pun against Shane Beamer or me leaving Aaron Beasley off the top five players for Tennessee football right now? Which one's worse? Beasley, for sure. Uh, mistakes happen on special teams. Uh, there's a lot that's going on. Sudden change. Aaron Beasley's been a staple for a little while, and if memory serves, you played linebacker. You guys That's are supposed to look out for one another. So, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> Once upon a time, many moons ago, yeah, I, yes. um, I, I did that top five because it was a, it was a mailbag question, and, um, you know, I mean, I wrote it out on my notepad. I mean, I put a little bit of thought into it. It's not like I just skimmed over it, and I got like bombarded with messages this morning. Aaron Beasley question mark. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's real bad. Well, he changed numbers. He's he now number six. I don't know if that affected your ranking. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Sure. Uh, we'll get to special teams here in a moment. But right now, putting you on the spot, let's see if you forget anybody. Who would be Tennessee's top five players through five games, offense and defense? Oh, man, on the spot. That's really yeah. unfair. Well, Aaron Beasley, 
Uh, he's a staple. Nobody Good would forget him. Yep. Be an idiot uh, not to put him in there. Right. Uh, this is in no particular order, but Beasley, Jalen Wright. Um, I think Tyler Barron has probably been a top five guy. Uh, Pierce, I don't know how many snaps he's played this season, but he just got defensive lineman of the week. He has five sacks, which is second in the conference, I think, right now. So I'd put him on the list. And I'm probably forgetting somebody obvious. I mean, I I thought of Brew as a top five player on the team. He's no longer with the team. So did you count him in the conversation? I did not. Okay. So uh, I'm, I, help me out with the fifth player that I'm missing. Amari Thomas or Omar Norman Lott would probably be where I start the conversation. My number one player was Squirrel White. Oh, Squirrel. Okay. Well, uh, after this past Saturday, I can see that for sure. I don't know. Part of like I thought of Brew as the number one guy wide receiver. I also have thought that everybody needs to step up. Squirrel did that this past Saturday. Yeah. So I haven't thought for the season probably top five guy on the team, but he was on Saturday in Tennessee's most impressive win of the season. So that makes a lot of sense. I guess a lot of that would be most productive as well because, I mean, they they utilize him, especially with the, with the yeah, lateral he, passing he, game. He had to play the game uh, yeah. besides Haddon's pick six. But in terms of difficulty, talking about his deep catch and that he was nine for nine in target. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my top five in reverse order, and I cheated on number five because I make the rules. Uh, Jabari Small slash Dylan Sampson. Uh, number four was Tyler Barron. Number three was James Pierce. Number two was Jalen Wright. Number one was Squirrel White. And uh, okay. <laughs> no Aaron Beasley. Aaron Beasley should have been in there for sure. Probably one or two, if we're being honest. Yeah. We're thinking along the same lines. And by the way, like I didn't mention Dylan, but Dylan's potential anytime he's on the field is as good as any of his teammates yeah. and he's going to continue to play a role in the offense. So at the end of October, there's a fair chance I have him on the list. Cooper Mays is going to have a chance to be on the list because of how good he is and how important he is. You'd love to see Joe on the list, but I wouldn't consider Joe in that conversation right now. So uh, the guys that we're talking about, I believe will still be in consideration for top five. And there are others that have a chance to work their way in. That's why the potential is still there. The competition is also about to get tougher. Yeah, we talked last week. Wouldn't be surprised at all if Tennessee won by 20, lost by 20, won by three, lost by three. But Tennessee did, you know, win by 21 points. Well, you know, won by a three touchdown score, uh, handled that football game. A lot went well in that football game. Overall thoughts on who Tennessee is now, one and one in SEC play, four and one heading into the bye. Well, I think Tennessee is a team that has to rely on the running game and be led that way on offense and slow down the opposing team's running game and then create pressure from there a lot of it's going to be about what happens up front which is how football works but I think that that conversation is solidified now with Cooper returning to the field and also Gerald Mincy at right tackle the group we saw on Saturday I think is likely their best five that could change over the next few weeks but not much in terms of the personnel and then on defense what we talked about this defense potentially being I do think is showing up in terms of the number of guys that can be effective getting to the quarterback. Pierce's arrival has played a big role in that. And then Tyler Barron probably being a more consistent player for Rodney Garner is showing up there too. And then I, I mentioned Norman Lott. I think his addition has been really good for the players they have there up front. So uh, defensively, this can be one of the best groups in the SEC. Like we just talked about, the competition's about to get tougher. Florida and South Carolina are far from their most difficult games in the SEC. They may rank near the bottom besides Vanderbilt. Uh, 
by the time we get to the end of the season. Yeah. But what Tennessee needs to be, I think, is pretty apparent. Run the football, hope the passing game can can complement that, and then be aggressive up front. Yeah, defense. I've been kind of saying to this point through five games, uh, Joe Milton is nothing but a game manager. I think that's not an insult, but uh, that's it's a very fair and accurate statement. He has the potential to change the games a couple times uh, a, a contest with some deep throws and everything. He's the best looking, highest ceiling, you know, game manager in, in in you know the NCAA. But right now, that's what he is. Tennessee's a really really good running team, um, and it's a work in progress on the offensive line, but. Um, you can still win a whole lot of games if you run the football well and your defense shows up. I know this is in 1995, but you can still win games in this league doing that. And I think that's kind of Tennessee's blueprint through five games. Now, again, when you play better competition, you're about to play A&M at home, on the road, Alabama, Kentucky. You've got Georgia, Missouri on the road. Things are going to get tougher for sure. So, you know, does that defense hold up, as you're mentioning? Can you still run the football effectively? Do things open up in the passing game and Joe kind of turns it on? You know, we'll see. It's yet to be known. But so far, I think it's fair assessment to say Tennessee, good running team, average passing team at best, solid defense, can still win some games. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, how will Tennessee run the football over the next, you know, during the month of October? And I would still say Georgia for sure and maybe the Missouri game. That's going to determine how well Tennessee's able to do. If, if the running game is not there, Tennessee can find plays in the passing game, but we've seen nothing through the first five games to say they're going to put the ball in Joe's hands and he's just going to take them to victory against a big-time team. Well, I have nothing to point to to say that that's the case. Some of these teams that Tennessee's going to play, we could see the the absence of Brew McCoy because he's the physical receiver that you would trust against tougher defensive play that they're going to go up against. So, uh, yeah, that that would be on the concerning list. Cooper back in the offensive line having a chance to be much better than we saw in the first month. And I think Tennessee having three legitimate running backs who can do different things as well to succeed should bring the confidence back up for Tennessee's offense. But Joe's not Hinden. He, he was compared in some ways to Hinden just because he's the next guy to follow Hinden from last season. But Hinden had natural playmaking ability. He was special in that regard. And I just don't think Joe has that. He has an arm that can still make throws that most, quote, game managers aren't going to make. Most anybody can't make. So uh, the potential is still there to hit a bomb, to hit a, a deep shot or two. But consistent big plays in the passing game just haven't been there. So why should we expect them to when they face tougher teams over the next couple of months? Kind of out the door here, I want to ask you about something that's kind of making the rounds on on X right now, formerly known as Twitter. Um, you know, Kamal Haddon, statistically, according to Pro Football Focus and coverage, having a really solid year. Um, he's still going to make some bonehead plays where you're just like, ah, oh, not wrapping up at Florida with the ETN 62-yard run, um, you know, blowing some third-down coverages every now and again. And, I mean, you're not going to be perfect ever, you know, on the field. Nobody ever is. I think fans will always remember him for the South Carolina game last year. However, against South Carolina this year, had the pick six, third and 22. It was a gift mm -hmm. right to him. He made him pay. And it was, it was great to see. It was great theater, good play, a huge play in the football game, massive play in the football game. But since then, uh, there's you know been been working around Twitter, the the video of the pregame warm-ups and the starting lineups and fans booing him when he was announced as a starter. And Kamal's kind of made note of it, you know, kind of like Rod on The Office making note of it, except he's not staying silent. He, he's, he's kind of voicing his opinion on it. Anyway, what do you make yeah. of this whole situation? It's obviously, if you're 
Tennessee coach, a Tennessee administrator, it's like, ah, this is this is not a good look, right? Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. This is a guy that plays for Tennessee. Uh, I thought some of the messages, uh, I say messages like you know, tweets or yeah. uh, w- on our radio show, we have a text box. And by the way, those are private. Those aren't public. So um, w- when they would come in, I didn't read them on the air, but we had a number of texts that would come in say, Haddon should never play again. Bench Haddon. We wouldn't be talking about it. It's like, they're not going to play Haddon, are they? And the answer was yes. They're going to play him, and he's going to start. He started against UTSA. He was going to start against South Carolina. And it reminds me of conversations we've had in the past. Jerry Garantano would be as good of an example as you're going to find. Mm -hmm. While some of the play might have been frustrating, it remained true that Tennessee was relying on Jerry Garantano at quarterback. So what's the point in in booing what's the point in uh publicly saying don't play him again if you know that he's going to play and you know that you need him to play well shouldn't you just prefer him to play better or more consistent depending on which player we're talking about so uh it's all unfortunate i'll also add that in college football what is what is a special part of the sport it's the emotion it's the passion that fans carry and there is no greater example of a passionate fan base than Tennessee. If we are going to talk about the emotion and the passion that comes with it, well, emotion has a number of different angles, and sometimes that's going to be negative. So again, I'll call that unfortunate. I just also think it's unavoidable. There was a tweet from Rod Clark, assistant basketball coach for Tennessee, and I think everything that he said is spot on. And by the way, I think most fans do act and believe the same thing that Rod Clark said and that, hey, we need to support our guys even if we're frustrated how they play. But you know, going on social media or certainly being in the stands and booing the player when he's being introduced as a starter for your team in a big game is, I don't think, doing anything positive. Now, maybe Kamal hears that and says, okay, I'm going to go show these fans. And <laughs> that's for sure not how you want it to play out. I remember yeah. the 2014 Sweet 16 run for Tennessee basketball. They said they were kind of galvanized by their fans appearing to be against them. So it just it comes with the territory, but it's never a good look. Surely we agree on that when a player on a team is talking about his fans being against him. Josh, it's the bye week, but no days off on Josh and Swain. What do you guys got coming up the rest of the show, plus on the newsletter uh, Friday morning? Yeah, Josh and Swain newsletter is free. Appreciate anybody that goes by there and subscribes. Thanks for uh, your support and telling people about that newsletter uh, every Friday, once a week. And then on the show, yeah, a lot of it's looking ahead to the rest of the season. What happens in October will tell us a lot about what's going to happen for Tennessee season coming up. So big opportunity, good time to get some guys healthy and get ready for Texas A&M. Massive game a week from Saturday. Thank goodness, 3.30 kick. Love the 3.30 kick as opposed to the night game, by the way. <laughs> Josh Warburg is over there, like, just chugging the coffee the other night in the press box. I was like, Josh, man, save some for me. But it just, you know, mouth to the thing, just chugging Was it, it right? inappropriate when I treated it like a water fountain and I just stuck <laughs> my bit. head underneath? Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, it, it's about <laughs> efficiency. Josh Heupel loves to be efficient on offense. Same with my caffeine consumption. <laughs> Josh Ward, you can check out that uh, that newsletter. The link is in the show description here on YouTube and uh, on your listening device. Josh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, Eric. All right, and that's going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Balls, your Wednesday show. Appreciate you guys for joining us, making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day. Subscribing to uh, Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel. You everydayers couldn't do it without you. Tomorrow, we'll be back fast and furious. Boogie Bentley of the Talking Balls Network will join me for a couple segments. That's what you have to look forward to here on a Thursday, Locked On Balls. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.